from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, everybody, and we want to welcome you to the Fight for Good podcast. This is a very, very special edition, and we are so glad you're taking a few moments uh, to give us a listen today. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, currently the editor-in-chief of National Publications here at National Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia, and sitting to my left is our editorial director, Mr. Jeff McDonald. Jeff, how are you today? Oh, it's so good to be with you again. Thank you. We're looking forward to hearing what you learned on your latest excursion. It's a very, very, very fascinating trip, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. And to our right, she's working all the knobs and controls over there, is our producer, Elizabeth Hanley. Elizabeth, how are you today? I am so super swell. Stoked to be here. You know, I don't think uh, you ever have a bad day. Oh my golly, thank you. You I'm stoked. I'm just so excited. You might have a bad day, but you Mm -hmm. you cover it. There's always a pop song. Always a pop song and a dance move. Always ready to raise the roof. Everything else. I love to pump up the party. (laughs) Well, we're glad. (laughs) We're glad. Thanks. Somebody yes, up the party. <laughs> well, we're we're we decided to uh, interject a um, a different type of podcast here today uh, that would just kind of focus on on one uh, particular issue, and it's not something that we have uh, produced yet in our, our written publication. We haven't written an article for the, for the war cry yet, but uh, it was it was something that uh, I experienced this last week that. I felt very um, moved that we needed to get our listening audience, uh, get, get their ears around this, and, and hopefully get their heart heart moved. Um, and, and part of it is, this is the, I think, Jeff, this is one of the advantages of kind of doing podcasting. It gives us uh, the opportunity to, uh, and a little bit more license to expand where we want to go with some of our ideas. And this is an exact case, wouldn't you think? There's so much... Um, behind stories that we deal with, it's uh, great to be able to have this avenue of expressing more of the depth of the story. Well, here we are about three minutes already into the podcast and people are going, well, what in the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Where did you go? You know, that kind of thing. So what? one of the things that we're wanting to do, as Jeff kind of has alluded to, is to go a little bit beyond um, the surface on, on many of the stories that we're dealing with. And it's very well known and very well documented that the Salvation Army is, is very engaged and has been historically for many, many decades in uh, emergency emergency disaster services uh, across the United States. And uh, uh, his, history has recorded the Salvation Army's efforts in some of these natural catastrophes that have happened. Well, uh, there was uh, this this past spring uh, in the central part of the United States, and namely affecting s- several states and kind of the northern part of uh, the Missouri River and other rivers uh, overflowed their banks and uh, affecting um many, many um, farmers in the Midwest, in particular in the states of um, Nebraska and in uh, Iowa. And the Salvation Army's work there uh, was pretty incredible. And the Western Division actually proposed an idea to us that they they thought uh, it would be important to tell the story of what's going on after uh, the floods, after 
most of the water has receded. It hasn't receded all the way at all. Uh, after the media spotlight has, has moved on to another tragedy. And so we talked about this as possibly an idea to explore. You remember when I brought this to the table, what were your thoughts about it? Well, first, you know, we, we're so caught up in the immediacy of the news cycle that we forget that there's long-ranging stories that are ongoing that beneath the public's perception. And it's good to bring that to the fore, certainly. But also, uh, there's so many thoughts that this triggers because the Army has such a dedicated uh, staff in all territories for emergency disaster services. They're well-trained, they're well-equipped, they keep at the ready to respond at the, in the moment, but also to be there uh, after the disaster, the immediate disaster has taken effect. That's one aspect I think of. Well, I think that kind of summarizes it. And, you know, as a, as a Salvation Army officer, you just go into these things and you just do. You don't give a lot of second thought. You don't overthink it. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you have to balance yourself. And, and we have a whole EDS certification training program that we do and um, for uh, spiritual care and, and just the, the feeding and um, incident command and et cetera, et cetera. And I've, I've been involved in numerous types of, of, of different situations over the years. But my wife and I were invited uh, by the divisional leaders, uh, wonderful people, and we want to give a shout out to them. Um, Majors Greg and Poppy, or Leanne uh, Thompson, uh, who have been serving there as the leaders of the Western Division, which covers South Dakota, ne uh, Nebraska, and parts of Iowa um, for the last five years. And they asked if we would come out, and, and I was given the opportunity to uh, speak to their major donors the day before uh, we did this interview and remind the donors of, of kind of the broader picture of what the Salvation Army is, is doing, um, kind of nationally, but in, in response to these sorts of things. And then the next day, uh, we were invited to uh, uh, visit um, the um, a farm, uh, a flooded farm, um, and and talk with uh, one of one of the unheralded heroes of of our nation, um, the farmers out there that make you know everything happen uh, for us in this country and in the world and they're growing things in their fields out there that are that are keeping us alive and you know we don't even give it a second thought and so we we had the opportunity to visit the farm of uh, David and uh, Beth uh, Luth who have been on this farm Jeff this this farm that they had is been in their family uh, for over five generations and he's the fifth generation person to farm it, and their plan is that uh, the, their daughter is gonna carry on after them. So s six generations of farmland in the heartland of the America, it's, it's kind of a, a you know, a, a, a telling story. It's beautiful, and you think about how foundational they are to our country and to the values that we uphold and the hard work they do. And I was thinking, reading about the, you know, Jesus' parable of the kingdom of God being a seed, and you know, think about the farmers who 
who live in that world daily and they can appreciate what it takes to nurture a seed and have it grow, not just physically, but spiritually. And I think that um, bedrock of awareness is really um, admirable. Now, the day that we visited them, it's uh, kind of an early October date, uh, but the weather had changed uh, dramatically. The The temperatures had dropped. There were, the night before, there had been a little bit of snow flurries and, and rain, and the uh, the winds were blowing pretty strong around 30 miles an hour. With the that day when we were on their farm, the wind chill was in in the low 20s, if not the teens. Uh, unfortunately, I had I was <laughs> in the process of getting a little sick, so you'll hear on their on and my voice isn't quite all the way back, but um, you'll hear. Um, uh, you know, I was interviewing them, and I I don't feel like I was on top of my game. But fortunately, I didn't really have to be, because the subject matter and the conversations that we had, you know, just kind of took a course for itself. So we're going to invite you um, into the loose uh, dining room. They, they, it was cold outside and windy, yet we the home was was very cozy and warm. And we have this conversation around the table. So I want to introduce everybody that's sitting around the table. Um, to Eventually to my left is Major Donna Miller, who is an angel and who is a local hero to the five, four counties that, in which that she continues to serve flood relief. So we're going to hear from her. Towards the end of the podcast, I asked, asked her some, some things, and we'll, 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 we'll get into that. But she said some really, really... Uh, valuable things that I think a Salvation Army officer needs to, to listen. Uh, my wife, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Cindy Foley, was was there. Also, uh, next to her uh, was was Beth. She was kind of reluctantly kind of came into the conversation. Um, uh, lovely lady used to teach uh, drama at the local high school. And then the next uh, next to Beth was um, the Thompsons. So we have Poppy and Greg, uh, Majors Thompson. Again, uh, we greatly appreciate them and, and thank God for their godly li- uh, leadership in uh, the caring. And then uh, David, David Luth, who uh, just has this uh, magnetic, magnetic personality. He's been interviewed uh, by the 700 Club and uh, a very lengthy interview that's actually online you can read. And he was informing us that there's uh, their whole story is going to be documented over a course of a year by NBC. And uh, the week after we interviewed, they, they have a documentary team that's going to mic them up and follow them around on the farm for three days, and then they're going to come back in succession and just kind of show the, the, the growth. So Sounds like that, good news. I, I Well, I thought it was interesting, and, yeah. and uh, I, I think you'll hear that. So well, we're going to break this up, and uh, there's, a, there's a few segments here. So we're going to give a listen to... Um, to uh, David and, and uh, everybody's kind of informal conversation. We hope you enjoy. NBC is going to be here next week, but they've been filming documentary that's going to air in 2021. They're going to actually stay with us for a full year into next season. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they'll be coming back every periodically. I have about three days of well, mic'd and filmed pe- two people so following you, you me. Never, you have not farmed at all this year? Not at all. No. No. There's, there's, there's no way. No, is, no. Is your, ground, is your ground still underwater? Uh, a lot of it is because yeah. of the high river. 
just mm -hmm. unable to get out and do the right. field work because this is a river bottom mm -hmm. and we get it's it's like a sponge right yep. yeah you know so when that sponge is full any kind of little rains that you get all pool up and that's why we have some pumps down on highway two once we drain of course our drainage has been affected by the flood so things aren't draining and it's been frustrating because right now i just have the ground really basically to other than three bins to repair i've just had the ground now to repair and i can say that i have pretty much turn the page on this flood. You know, up to those minor things that you see every year that keep coming up. But right. yeah, we've made major progress. Major, major. And what, what did you farm here? Yes, I mean, we, well, corn and soybeans, yes. Uh, one of the things that we're doing at National Publications is that we're um, trying to tell a backstory on a lot of the disasters because we know that first responders come in, Red Cross, FEMA, whatever, the media is there initially and then they're gone. And all over this country, the Salvation Army is, you know, working with individuals like you uh, for months. I just, I just wrote a, a piece <coughs> about the horrible brash fires in Paradise that happened this time mm -hmm. last year. So uh, this was brought to our attention. Um, uh, I've, I've known uh, Greg and, and Poppy for a few years here, and they, they have great passion for the Lord and great passion for the people of, of in their division, like Iowa and. Is it South Dakota? Yeah, yeah. South Dakota and Nebraska. And Nebraska. So uh, from National Publications, we wanted to do a story and, uh, and the hard work that you've well, done. Well, yes. Well, and then one of the things you need to know where my relationship with Fremont County really started is the Sunday after the disaster, um, we had a community meeting in, in Sydney, and we were supposed to meet in the elementary school uh, mm -hmm. cafeteria. Oh, boy. And they figured there'd be, um, at the most, 150 people. And the people kept coming and kept coming. And finally, um, Mike Carilla said, okay, stop. Who's no Mike more Carilla? people. He is, uh, he's an uh, emergency disaster. Person. Okay. And said, stop. We can't get one more person in this room. We're going to have to move the meeting. So we had to move across the street to the gymnasium where they didn't have sound. And so he's trying to talk yeah. and no one can hear him. And then the Red Cross person is trying to talk. And he said, well, we'll be here for you. And then um, they said, he, he said to me, well, do you want to say a few words? And I walk up and said, I don't need a mic. No, just really I'll use my open air voice. <laughs> and what you need to know is I will be with you till the very end. Yes. And I will be here every week checking on you. And then this is the thing they keep saying. They keep kidding me about. Uh, I says, now, I'm going to give you my phone number, but please do not write it down. <laughs> but then, literally, I made the promise that uh, any time that my phone rang, 24-7, I would answer that phone. She's been top-notch. I mean, and the I love, have. just that love that we've felt. We were sitting there at the Percival cleanup. Major Don was sitting there. I just had to explain to her that through all the organizations that we've dealt with, through the federal government, through Red Cross, etc., etc., <laughs> Salvation Army has just top-notched everyone. Just top notch, just because of the caring, and also the financial, you know, help. But yet, it's that love that you felt. Major Donna was at every dinner and gave us support. We prayed for support every time, and then you get the community together and people are talking about it. It was a healing. 
through the process. So it made a little, and of course, a lot of us, you have to know, went through this in 2011. So this was not our first rodeo, but we didn't have the help like uh, the Salvation Army that came in at that time. They might've been here, but boy, they just didn't, didn't really rock and roll like our rock star here did. (laughs) And I mean, then, then, you know, what? $250 $250 from an ARDS uh, gift certificate, one of the first ones kind of just out. I, came, and I, I promised Percival because we um, we did not give out Menard gift cards until they could actually, for anyone, until they could get back in their homes. Yes. Um, so we knew early on Percival was not going to be able to get back in their homes for a while. And then they were thought they were going to get back in and the water came oh, back. Yes. The water came back three times. Yes, it did. Mm. And so I made the promise, I, I'm, I'm keeping cards for you. I'm keeping cards for you. It wasn't until August 17th yeah. when we had the family picnic that I arrived and said, I've got your Menards. I have a gift for all of you here. And my son-in-law just, you know, he, he's he pretty, just, sto- he's a stoic kind of guy, you know, with the military and all that stuff. And he was blown away. He had just come back. He had just come yeah. home. Yeah. And I had two Menards gift cards for every family. Yes. So that they could get. So that was $500. $500. $39,000, I believe, you yeah. passed out that, that week into just our, to just our community of 75, you know, 75 families or so. And we've been using that register of what who signed up for FEMA. Yeah. You know, we try not to let things fill in those gaps. This is kind of the thing. But they didn't have to call, they didn't have to sign up for FEMA for those. No. So it kind of gives you that first little section there kind of gives you this uh, feel of, of the conversations that were, were going on. And I, I thought there's a, a couple of, of interesting things there, pertinent things for us to just pause and ponder a little bit and, and appreciate your thoughts on this, Jeff. Mm-hmm. But Major, Major Donna um, kind of articulated, uh, you could hear the pain in her voice uh, in regards to people that were, you know, trapped in a little bit, not physically trapped by the by the flooding, um, but trapped because they had properties that they were one property they were trying to sell, another one they had just bought. So they basically had two mortgages. And in that particular little part, I think it's Hamburg, um, Iowa, there the the house the 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 levy um, there was a temporary levy that had been put there. David kind of explained that, and that levy had to be removed. And because that levy was removed, the water came over and destroyed seventy three homes. So you, you have somebody that comes to the Salvation Army's doorstep, and they have two mortgages, and. They can't live in either one of the places because they're they're destroyed. I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah, exactly. Um, the people there, they don't want, you know, farmers, of course, are independent and they pride themselves on their independence, their community-mindedness. So for them to come to the Army in the first place could not be easy for them. At the same time, yeah, there, what, what can you do but um, have compassion for that situation and see how to remedy it? 
Well, and I, I think it's important to know that, that the government is able to give assistance you know, only up, up to a certain point, of, of, of course, you know, because, you know, we, we don't, we don't want to make the government collapse on, on this kind of stuff. But I, I think it's important for our listeners and our readers to always be aware of, of the human condition, you know, that, that, that's, that people are dealing with. And also, we on the Salvation Army are, are trying to help with with that condition we we can't we can't pay those two mortgages for that individual but maybe there's something that we can do that's very very small but very significant and that was kind of like one of my takeaways uh, from that interesting too how the idea of hope is so important in those kind of dire situations and you can do to encourage people to look forward uh, and to uh, kind of re revamp their expectations and their plans along the way while realizing that there is a god who still cares for us i think certainly helps to some degree well, we're going to listen to another segment here where um, David uh, talks about his faith and, and talks about uh, the faith of the Salvation Army and, and the, the love that was expressed. So let's give a listen. The community is Percival? Percival. Percival. And so the new kind of tagline that we're using is Percival Perseveres. Yes. And we do. Now, was this the town that you fed for a couple of months? No, that's Hamburg. That's Hamburg, okay. One family that, that I worked with, that I cried with, they had were in the process of selling their one house, had just bought a new house, a couple blocks over, lost both houses that will never be able to be lived in. They just um, were awarded grant money a week ago uh, 6.5 million to build that new levy that now can stay mm-hmm. and the money to tear down 73 homes that will be um, bulldozed yeah. that will never now be able to be built back. No, it'll all be a green space because of the FEMA buyout is what it is. Mm-hmm. And see, so you can't build back on those properties. So that's all going to be a just a little wasteland back in there. Do you, do I know this just doesn't involve you, but do you know if they... Did they get a fair market value for their property no. at all? No. 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 They, did oh, they get, no. just get that? Because I know bit. FEMA has a cap of like 35000 yeah. 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 And does but, that mean those mortgages go away? No. No, no you still no. have to pay the mortgage. Right. So here that, the, that one family still has two mortgages. Mm-hmm. It broke a lot of people's back. This one did. It, 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 people are fed up. I mean, down people in South thought Atlanta. 2011 would be better than it would get. Well, yeah, it never happen again. Right. And you know, this is one in life. It didn't happen again. It happened worse. Yeah. It did. 2011 did happen. Because we had, quote, the weather effect. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that you, you that have. That polar to, vortex. You know, yeah. The, yeah. They, they came in at that. Uh, and I had to compare that to one of the floods that uh, they talk about here. It's called the 52 flood. Uh, that Percival was flooded. Uh, we had a little house. It was flooded over there, and this house was an island at mm. the time. But that came in 
in March, like this one did, because it was a big total thaw out with no, uh, with still frost in the ground, everything had to rush out. Yeah. So to me, that was real similar. So there you go, had to do the math. It's about 57 years in a stretch. I can accept that as a farmer, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that yeah, there's your 50 year floods that may come. Yeah. Okay, we understand that being yeah, on that a river bottom. left in April, though. Yeah, it left in April, yeah, and they planted half a crop. See, when some kind of crop. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we were, the, why, why we chose this business, Beth and I, to continue this on in the business aspect I kept looking at all the records and they had never lost a total crop at the worst was half a crop in the worst year and that was real flood so I figured at least half to be able to budget by and yeah. try to go right. by right it wasn't yeah. until 11 well I lost total crop in 11 it was a beautiful crop so we lost that in June uh, July or June June and July right at the end of June first July and tasseling corn, just one big, you know, looking for one of the best crops, and boom, it's all wiped out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was, um, okay, didn't harvest that year, but yet we had a beautiful winter. We could get everything repaired for the ground. And that year, uh, I had over uh, 300,000 cubic yards of sand stretched on this 150 acres. And that's six, mount, six, six foot high mounds of sand. Mm-hmm. So the core building, uh, the new levee, I worked with them, and they were able to take it off the farm. And use it for the levee, which is great. Oh, They're kind right. of doing that now with the other one. But now in this one, I lost a lot of topsoil okay. yeah. on this. Yeah, Left course. holes in the fields yeah, that I can't course. get into yet because of the high river. Mm-hmm. I can go out and disc. You can see part of these fields are disc. Well, I just mm-hmm. went where it was just too wet and right. I couldn't go anymore. Mm-hmm. I've fixed so many hoses on the disc, tore up disc oh, blades. You know, yeah. it's one of the pieces of equipment that's really getting work. Yeah. But you'll be out there disking, and it's tall, tall grass and weeds out there. You're going along, also, and there's a spot that isn't, and, you know, that's where a hole is. Yeah. So we, we've got government programs to help in farming called the ECP program that helps us. Uh, uh, they pay up to 75% of repairs to the ground, mm-hmm. and they did that same program in 11. It worked well. But... You know, I have to see where I need the repairs first before I get a dozer out there and start working mm-hmm. yeah. that and filling them in. Mm-hmm. So this, this is a process that I'll be going on probably throughout the whole winter now till next spring. Uh, have, have farmers stayed? Or? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. They have to. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, one, of the pe- one of the elderly, in fact, it was the one that probably broke my heart, a 95-year-old who I talked to said to me, Please pray that that my home is able to be recovered because my kids have already told me if I can't go back home, I'm going to a nursing home and then I might as well die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he was fighting to get us in, back in his home. I know of three families that relocated to Shenandoah, but they are their jobs are already there, so they didn't care. It's an interesting thing about the Midwest. So we did flood work in '97 mm-hmm. in Grand yes. Forks when the Red River. Yes, um, flow and yeah. And um, so everybody was saying, all the experts were saying, well, 10% of your population will move away. And um, we're like, okay. And, you know, they were bracing for that economically and thinking about those things. And it turned out that it was around, it was less than 2% yeah. of the population yeah. that actually moved away. They stayed. They repaired what they had. They, this, this is my home. This is, I'm going to fix this and stay here. And I just think they didn't understand the hearty Midwest attitude um, that we Midwesterners have. 
the perseverance. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it's hard for, for, for Beth and I just to get up and just leave. We are the fifth generation sure. to live and farm this farm. Sure. And, uh, and this is what we chose to do. Well, and I know that one, one of the things that's hit the news this week is we, from the beginning, we have had up to 20 trailers living at Wabanzi State Park. Yeah that the governor has allowed them to live there at no cost, yeah. and at Sydney uh, Golf Course. Yes. Well, as of Octo- uh, October 8th, they were shutting off all the utilities. Yeah. Winter is coming. And the problem is no one wants to leave Fremont County. Mm-hmm. And they cannot make, uh, and of course landowners and renters have hiked their prices mm-hmm. sky high. Yeah. 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 And they can't make them lower those, those rates. That happened all over the area. Yeah. That's not indicative of, of Fremont no. County. No. Yeah. yeah. But no one, no one is still willing to leave Fremont County. So instead, people are banding together and making ways so that they can become bigger family units to afford to stay in some of those homes because they don't want to leave Fremont County. Are you doing any kind of direct service to those families as they merge into we, one household? Um, while they were at Wabanzi, I would go out and meet with them, and it was more uh, conversation and take a load of toiletries out to them. They don't want that kind of help. Yeah. Um, very resilient. Very proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, more like, okay, Major, you need to go where people need you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see that they have a need, but yeah, and you're but they but don't, they they don't want, want to be self-sufficient. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's one family in Hamburg. And there's 17 in the house right now. Three different families in the wow. and Landon. And 17, can you imagine? 17 no. people. The laundry. I mean, yeah, right. The laundry. The laundry. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. I mean, no, you know, the meals and everything. So. Yeah. so so let me ask for all three of you. Let me ask, and you can pass on this and because it's probably a deeply personal question. But how have you um, worked your way, you know, mentally and emotionally and spiritually through this incredible time of trauma and tragedy? Well, for me, it's just my faith in God. No, you do get to have to do. You do what you have to do. Yeah, it's my faith. And if you walk out the door, you can see I have a picture of Jesus right outside my door that I look out every day that I leave this house. He's my friend. And to be able to have that is that comfort that gets me through this. Yeah. Because then you because you start to look at the love that comes from like Major Donna and what your organization's been doing is all that reflection of what this is life is all about. It helps with those. And um, I did an interview with the 700 Club. Abigail Robertson came down and did a television interview, and that's basically what I said. If I didn't have my faith, this would be so much more difficult to be able to handle because I do know there is a certain plan for me. And if this is part of it, I guess this is that roller coaster ride. And, you know, on a good roller coaster, when you're done, you know, it's done, it's up and down, kind of scary at times, kind of fun at times. You know, like, hey, I want to get off a couple of times, you know, during the ride. But when you're done, you go, I'd like to do that again. And that's kind of the way I look at it, that this is my ride right now. And I'm just kind of accepting the fact that this has happened. There's a lot of work ahead of me, which I'm not afraid of the work. Um, Keeps me young, keeps me going. 
motivated. And the thing of it is, um, after all of this is done and over with, uh, who knows? It could be. It's going to be a much better life. Yeah. Not for me, but for my daughter and my son-in-law who live over at the mobile home over there, which that mobile home we lived in in 11 because that was our temporary housing up on the bluff. Bought that and then tore a house down and put it in. <coughs> and a majority of all the money that I'd received from Salvation Army all went into that home because, yes, this home is protected because this is our house and we had the had the the like FEMA and, and, and our insurance, you know, not flood insurance, but we had insurance on the equipment stuff. That was not covered. And being a tenant house, no, it's not covered. So that was total costs. So the wonderful thing with that $5,000 that came to the farmers to pay a bill, paid for the air conditioning unit that got lost over there. Mm-hmm. I lost a well house over here that I needed a whole new well put in. Mm-hmm. So that money help correspond and fix everything I needed there. Then, boom, here comes another $500 from Menards, and I'm going, well, gosh, I don't have to spend that to build forms because I'm not hiring people to do this. We're doing our own jobs. I, my daughter and son-in-law and I poured eight and a half yards of concrete and formed it all up. They didn't know they had the skill. And I'm going, yeah, you, you don't know that because this is what farming is about. Yeah. It, it challenges you to yeah. do a little better than what you can. Yeah. And uh, right now, my friend from Cozad's a brick mason. I was going to try to do it on my own, but boy, it would take me till next spring to do what he's doing. And we worked up till dark, but he's now over there laying the block for the block skirting. You told me about that yesterday. Yeah, so that's the project we're doing on that. And going to be so pretty much. we're done here, we're all going to go over. <laughs> we're all going to say <laughs> But no, but that is all because of the Salvation Army. I'm able to do this so quickly. I'm, you know, I'm, I definitely have a lot more respect for those people ringing that bell, and you know, until you're affected on that, you know, you give, you give, you don't really know where all it's going, and until you're personally affected, and then see what kind of great organization this is, is just tremendous. And it's not only the financial aspect of it; it's also the spiritual. That Major Donna brings in and brings the prayers and gives us the, those prayers of hope. You know, at the end, she had a she had scripture every Thursday that just kind of fitted the needs for the week. You know, because it was like we could make steps, you know, like, okay, we're gaining three days ahead. And, you know, things are looking good. And all of a sudden, boom, you're knocked back. Yeah, like you dream. said. And, and, okay, the breach wasn't back closed. Back in Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you, we still had the battles. We'd move ahead so far, but then we'd set, be set back two, two more steps behind than where we were yeah. on the next one. So it, it was a battle up until they got the breach closed. Yeah. And we knew that. We had to get through the breach and get it closed. Yeah. Of course, we couldn't get here. So they have closed your, the breach. The breach is now closed. Right. and Now they built it up because of this last weather event. They actually went in there with emergency repairs and built it up to the total height. But it's only sand now. They call that a scab. Mm-hmm. It's a temporary fix. Yeah. So we don't know what next spring's going to bring. Yeah. You know, that's still up in the air. But yet I don't want to go that far ahead yeah. to think because right now I'm kind of in the moment. And things will develop. And, uh, you know, life still goes on. That's the thing. You know, even though you're having a disaster, you still have a life. Before we get back to the conversation, let's take a moment to talk about the War Cry. War Cry is a monthly magazine devoted to sharing the love of God without discrimination and representing the Salvation Army's mission of serving human need. War Cry represents the Army's mission through news, commentaries, and stories. Warcry comes directly to your mailbox for only $1 a month. 
just visit thewarcry.org to subscribe. Again, that's thewarcry.org. So Jeff, I um, was handed uh, by the Luths uh, a bunch of pictures of, of their their farm, and we'll we'll be sharing these. I'm I'm uh, I believe we'll we'll try to put this in the January issue of of the Warcry as we go forward. But it's it's amazing to see the amount of water damage and the the uh, devastation that just their little um, their little farm. Uh, had you know, and it's as as we were going out there, they they and they talk a little bit about this in the podcast is that there's farmers there that are never going to get their land back because their land now is part of the river. The river actually has changed. I think it's the Platte Platte, Platte River in that area. Forgive me uh, for those of you in Iowa and Nebraska if my geography is wrong. I, Elizabeth didn't put up the geography map here in, in her studio. <laughs> but I'm just, just just thinking about that. You know, just just imagine, you know, just one day um, and you go to work out your back door. Now you can't work it. I mean, what what goes on in the psyche of somebody? Yeah. Also, you, when you look at these pictures of before us, the extent of their infrastructure, you know, their silos of full of, uh, of grain or whatever their product is, you know, they're, they're looking at an enormous loss. So you have to... You know, during the podcast, I'm hearing in the recording that they're they're able to have some um, upbeat to their outlook, some humor in the situation. So you know, it's certainly a testament to the resilience of the human spirit. But and also, it identifies the fact that we are so we we share so much in common, and when such disasters hit, that's what comes to the fore. The the one thing that I was reminded of uh, that I really hadn't given it much thought, um, but the water was contaminated. Oh yeah, and there had been uh, sewer plants that had been affected by this, and of course you have all of these. Um, I'm assuming most of these farms have their own septic systems, um, you know, and uh, and we're, we're we're looking at uh, a picture that. I'm sure we'll put in the war cry of their granaries, and they had four pretty big granaries, and and I was able to kind of look inside them, and and the the thing that they stressed was that there was a current to this this um, flood, so their granaries got uh, you know rocked off their foundation, and they they lost. Uh, all of the product. I mean, they really couldn't do anything with the product. They were able to salvage it because there's a way that some of the grain can be grinded down and processed so it's clean and it's used to put in in a feedlot. But it was it was more of just to get rid of it so it wouldn't be on their property to rot. Um, I, I thought that was that was yeah. interesting. And looking at these pictures, you can see they refer to their house as an island. It truly is an island in in water. Yeah, you know how isolated they must have felt. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were they were safely uh, they were able everybody was able to safely pretty much get out of the area because this wasn't they knew that this was coming. I mean, there's and when you go online and you read a little bit more about it and you know there's obviously a bigger story here than than what 
we're intending to do. And of course, we're not trying to take any kind of political side on this. I think what we're, our, our intent here is to show, here's an individual that was a family that was affected by this. This is the continued thing that they're having to struggle with and kind of go on. And this is what the Salvation Army is enduring and persevering for in this four county region that Major Donna Miller is responsible for. Um, and their, their resilience, their uh, perseverance, and as you alluded to, their, um, their sense of hope uh, was, was, was inspiring. Uh, for me, you know, personally. Yeah, I was wondering what, you're, what you came away with yourself because you, granted you weren't feeling all that great during, during the time and you still, you persevered through it. Um, and I'm just wondering how, you know, um, what your impressions were. Well, like I, I think I alluded to it earlier. I mean, I've always been very uh, respectful uh, and mindful of um, farming and farmers uh, throughout this country, not only here, um, but, um, you know, uh, internationally. You know, my wife has, has this uh, natural inclination to be drawn wherever we travel to see and touch and feel animals. Uh, and it, 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 it's kind of a, a running joke when we travel with other people. She's a little bit of a Dr. Doolittle. You know, animals kind of just kind of come up to her. Uh, <laughs> lovely, lovely people. My, my in-laws who have gone to glory many years ago, but my, my father-in-law, you know, was a hobby farmer. He ran his own business and, um, and then at night would move, you know, pipe and grow, you know, uh, they, they had animals and, and things like that. So I've always had that kind of respect. There's just a, there's just something different. Uh, um, and, and I, I, I think that it's important for people to kind of rub shoulders with our farmers and, and not to take uh, for granted what, what people do out of their, their, their tilling, you know, God's creation and they're making this stuff happen. And these individual family farms, you know, face lots and lots of uh, economical challenges. And, and yet they, 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 they somehow get back up on their feet and they go, uh, I've, I've rarely met a farmer that didn't have some sense of faith. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think when you're out there working the land, you, you know, that this earth is a lot bigger than, than, you know, some kind of, um, self, discussion that you may have about how the world should be or how the world is. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, so I, I walked away from there, uh, very inspired. And in fact, I think I wrote you like immediately yeah, and, you did. and, and, yeah. and Elizabeth and you said, was. we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta kick this up in the gear. So there's a, there's another section here that I'd, I'd like for us to hear. And, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get back with some concluding thoughts. Donna, what, what would you say to Salvation Army officers that are involved in, or maybe down the road, involved in long-term care for EDS? Well, I think for asking the first question first, I've worked with four counties through this whole thing. My flood, my disaster has been 150 miles long. Have there been frustrations? Absolutely. But... When it's come to crisis points, then you bring the Starbucks cookies for your staff. You buy pizza. You remind them that no matter what, remember who we are, who we represent. 
I think the disasters that I've been in, involved in, and there have been more than I care to count, um, the, things, the thing that gets me through and my people, my staff through, are folks like David and Beth when we talk about them. Mm. Um, we just talked about this in staff meeting, all building staff meeting yesterday at DHQ. And um, our, our folks are getting ready to go out and volunteer at toy shops and um, ring bells and those kinds of things, sign-ups, Christmas sign-ups. And we had people talk about their positive experiences. And I said, okay, now talk about the times that are harder to serve. And when you talk about Mills County and when you, when you talked about David and Beth, Fremont County, that's what got you through. Am I right? Yeah. The harder the harder folks to serve, no, and they're going through stuff. You're right. And everybody handles stress differently. And I think maybe David and Beth are people, first of all, of faith. Secondly, they're people who probably have other positive attitudes around them, other can-do people oh, yeah. who come alongside them yeah. and say, we can make it through this. And maybe the folks in Mills County don't have that. So we never know. Oh, you're right. We never know who has who around them, bolstering them, what kind of faith base they have. Wow. They believe when you walk out of the house and you say, that's my friend, mm -hmm. I have a picture of my friend in my house, mm -hmm. and it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. That makes a world of difference to you mm -hmm. every time you go out the door. Is there, is there anything in, in, uh, in conclusion, because I, I want to spend a little time and go out and see your property, but is there anything else that you... The answer to your second question. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll hold that question. Here, yeah. here's, my, here's my answer to the second question. My previous... I've been an officer for 43 years, working on my 44th. Um, my previous experience with disaster is... Uh, and I was... My, only my last two appointments have I ever been a core officer. <laughs> where, where have you served majority of your, your career? Uh, social services administrator, um, admin... Uh, sick benefit for 20 years, 15 years. Um, so in Peoria, we had the tornado go through um, Washington County. Uh, hey, Donna, can you uh, put 1,800 meals out of your kitchen? Yeah, sure, no problem. Piece of cake, small kitchen. I can do it, no problem. This time, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you have four counties and you how do I even do this? Hmm. Get in the car and go. And so my advice to other officers would be, get in the car and go. Hmm. Let someone else do the work back at the office. Get out there and go. Be the one on the front line. Be the one giving the hugs. Be the one hearing the hurt. Be the one hearing the stories. Because if you're not, you don't have a clue. Yeah. Relationship. Be, yeah. Be the hands and feet. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So what's uh what's to, to sum it up? What what are some things that you want maybe our listeners and hearers to our readers to uh, think about and ponder about what's still happening out here? I think the question that will probably always bother me is a little five year old girl. Uh, part of the family that lost both homes said to me, she's kindergarten, and they were having a horrible time with her um, acting out. And she, living with grandma, so she's safe, everything's good. 
And she said to me, I just want to go to my house, to my room. I want to play with my toys. And to know she's never going to have her own room with her own toys. Because mom and dad have now have two mortgages that they're going to have to pay off before they're ever going to be able to start over. And she's five. I had never met Major Donna Miller before, and the Thompsons had been sharing a little bit about, you know, all the duties that she she did. And I'm I'm always interested in officers' advice. And I think in particular, when you have an officer like uh, Major Miller that's nearing the end of her active officership, she retires uh, next summer, I believe. I just wanted to ask that question, you know, what, what advice you know, would you give to other Salvation Army officers that are involved in these emergency disaster prolonged sort of events? And, and, and you, heard, you heard what she said, you know, just get in the car and go. And I know, Jeff, you've been around the Salvation Army about as long as I have, and uh, you've, you've heard a lot of things, you've recorded a lot of things, you've written a lot of things, you've published a lot of things. What, what are some of your impressions of what she says there at the end? Yeah, I think uh, the, uh, first of all, Salvation Army officers are known for their action and for responding to difficulty, to tragedy, to, to tough times and being there for the long haul. I, th- I find that the Army is um, a very, uh, does a lot of self-examination, and I think that's one of its strong suits. It can be a burden sometimes to um, Salvation Army officers because they tend to be critical, self-critical. At the same time, it keeps them tied to their, their mission, and I think there's a lot of courage and a lot of guts that it takes to go out there and be present in those situations. And I, I like the fact that, you know, she she said something about, you know, just, you know, God's going to provide other people to do the stuff back in the office, all the minutia. And the ministry of, of, of the work is, is important, right? We can't, you're not like just playing that off, but it gets back to the ministry of presence. It's, it's, it's being available and, and you can hear it in David's voice. He's, he's saying, I'm a recipient of this sense of self-sacrifice that the Salvation Army officer is a conduit. She's not asking for recognition. She's not asking for money. She's not asking for fame. Hmm. She's yeah. she's just doing her job. And the donor, you know, the donor entrusts the Salvation Army because of that sort of um, mentality and that sort of testimony. Yeah, and I know that what is behind that ability to respond that way is a dedication to the mission to be the hands and feet of God, of God's love. That's why I was excited to, uh, you know, take the Thompsons up on their invitation and and, and come out and and uh, walk the uh, the swampy uh, farmland of the the Luths on a very very cold uh, fall uh, uh, morning. Um, and uh, you know, of course, I I scamper back to uh, to my other duties. But I've been in those situations where you know you do day in and day out ministry. A lot of times things go unnoticed, uh, unrecognized, and, and almost an, un, a sense of not being appreciated, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I think 
I think it comes down to the fact that God calls all of us to, to, to complete the mission. We put our hand to the plow and we just kind of move forward. And these opportunities arise when we're, we least expect it. Um, I know that's been the case in my situation. You know, people have, have died in, in my ministry at inconvenient moments uh, or it is, uh, the earth shakes at n- not at a scheduled time, you know, and, and yeah. you just kind of, you just kind of have to go to it. But I, I think at the, at the start of, of my editorship here at, at publications, I, I just want our readers and listeners to know that we're paying attention to the detail of the story behind the story. We allude to that in the November issue of the war cry, which we will, in our next podcast, we'll, we'll highlight, but uh, the people of paradise, California, who over 24,000 people were affected in these five, uh, a year ago that, you know, um, the perseverance of Salvation Army uh, volunteers and employees and officers who were doing, you know, this incredible work for nine months. These sorts of things inspire me and these sorts of things uh, make me want to keep telling their story because they're too busy to tell their story uh, in that in that regards. Uh, and and I, I, I think you're kind of in cohorts with me on on this concept. Oh my goodness. I mean, the fact that the work is hard, very often, very difficult. And as you said, it's unrewarding. And I I know that uh, one of the mantras that the army officers follow is, you know, they do it even if when it's inconvenient, especially when it is inconvenient, because <laughs> it often is. Yeah, it's these these disasters are never, never timely. Um, and they're, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop, and it, it's not necessarily uh, just because of climate change or or whatever. It's it's just how life is. Yeah, and I guess, Colonel, what what is what is the reward for officers in those situations? Well, you know, personally for me, uh, I think that the reward. I, I always think about it during like okay the the christmas season is is just some people enjoy the christmas season some people don't i happen to be one of those persons that kind of i didn't really you know enjoy working eight straight weeks right and you know begging for spare change from the community but there's something happened on on the evening of christmas eve when you sit down and you go you know what we we're bringing we're bringing joy to one person, it, it, it makes it all worth it, you know, and, and Jesus talks about, you know, um, you know, going after the one, don't focus on the 99, they're, they're going to be taken care of, go after the one. I think there's a sense of, of deep contentment, especially when you know you're in the center of God's will and knowing that um, this is this is a divine call. I, I couldn't do this work uh, without that sense of of divine, uh, not obligation or duty, but that urge and that that uh, compassion and compelled. The, the, you know, you're being compelled to it. So I th- I think the, think the Salvation Army officer that's in tune with God's will and the heart of God, the the reward that you pull out of that is this deep sense of contentment and almost delight knowing that, you know, we're being the hands and feet of Jesus in this particular opportunity. We, we were a part of that. We made somebody's life, uh, we, we were able to change somebody's life uh, forever uh, because of, of our, our persistence and because of the sacrifice that we had to make. Um, and, then, and then what we do as an officer is we finish that up and, and uh, we move on. We move on. 
Yeah, we, we, we take care of our souls, we take care of our bodies, and we await the next opportunity. And, you know, I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. And I think it's important for the Salvation Army on a national level, uh, I mean, all across in the United States, all Salvation Army officers need to, you know, keep their call at, at the fore, forefront of what they do. Uh, we, we, we do this not for self-glory. We don't do it for Instagram selfies and, um, and for name recognition. We do this for the Lord Jesus Christ and that we're here to help, help God's people. Um, so that's a long answer. Um, you know, I never, I'm never one to really think about rewards. I just kind of, I figure that the, the reward, you know, kind of like comes. Uh, for me, uh, I was, I was, I had the opportunity to meet uh, a, a beautiful farming couple um, in in a, in a flooded field in in Iowa. I had the opportunity to meet a very faithful Salvation Army officer who, uh, towards the end of her career. Um, has been given the opportunity to be a core officer who is given everything that she has physically mm. um, to to go to the lengths of a 150 mile area. I've had the privilege now of, and I consider them friends, the Thompsons, who uh, are one of many divisional leaders across this country who day in and day out pray for their people, love on their people, uh, are doing all that they can to harness the resources that are out there in the communities to uh, to help folks and and to bring people to a knowledge of Christ through the practical ways that they go about it. To answer your question, it's it's just it's just just you just keep doing it and the blessings just kind of pour. That's really inspiring. I mean, to uh, it encourages us to really, in some small way, and I don't mean this arrogantly, to be aware, to be committed to God's will and what that means for us. Well, um, just kind of in closing, you know, when I, when my wife and I were the training leaders out in the West, one of the things that I felt God had uh, laid on my heart very strongly was to make sure that we were equipping Salvation Army officers when they, they left the, the, the doors of the training college to be ready for these sorts of diseases disasters and um, uh, that we, we we made sure that people got their the right certifications and I know many of the new lieutenants and younger officers were involved in uh, disaster uh, relief and I know in the in the west uh, in particular earthquakes and fires are um, just you know at the ready um, the officers need to be so I feel good about that and I, I feel that we want to continue to be committed we we're, we're not turning our magazine completely Completely into you know an EDS uh, journal or anything like that, but we want to we want to encourage uh, our listeners and our readers um, that we're going to keep telling the story. Um, we know that uh, there's going to be something else, and maybe maybe you could tell us your story too. Maybe you could drop a note uh, on our webpage, thewarcry.org. Uh, tell us how the Salvation Army has helped you in your time of need, whether it was a, a major disaster, it could have been a, a house fire, it, it could have been um, you know. Uh, um, during a shooting, or it could have just been the fact that your family had a tough time making ends meet and, and how that food box, you know, kind of kept kept you alive. I think we, we downplay a lot of the, the, the types of stuff that we do, but, but Jesus reminds us to keep doing it and to be faithful in what it is that we're doing. Very good. Yeah. So, and so, of course, the Army needs support in its efforts, and we certainly appreciate that. We also appreciate prayer for those officers out there who are, you know, committing seeing the tough side of life very often and responding to it with the love of God. 
So we ask for prayer and we ask for support for these folks. And uh, we just uh, ask that uh, God continues to bless the Army and all of us in whatever endeavor we're engaged in. So we're grateful for you giving us a few minutes of your listen. We hope that this uh, podcast caught your attention. Um, and we hope that you sensed uh, a, a great appreciation uh, from a recipient of, uh, of a Salvation Army donation and uh, the dedication of a Salvation Army officer who continues to love uh, people in her community and the divisional leaders who continue to encourage all of their officers and all of their operations and ministry there in the Western Division um, to continue to do the most good. Well, with that, I think we're going to conclude this issue of this particular podcast. So in closing, I am Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. I am Jeff McDonald. And we are the Fight for Good podcast, and we're glad you listened to us. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless you. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. 